And now, coming to you live from our Coast to Coast Trading Desk, this is The Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces that shape the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Star Northrop, bringing you this time a pretty quick and volatile conversation as we're dealing with a lot of like really fast-moving market forces right now. What we're seeing right now is kind of a reversal of 2020. We're seeing streaming services down. Netflix stock is down a lot in this past week on news that subscriber numbers have finally fallen for the first time. CNN Plus is shuttering itself after a week, and so that whole area is just overcapitalized. At the same time, we'll be talking about how travel is resurgent with stocks like United Airlines and Delta popping off on pretty good Q1 numbers as people are just kind of expecting to get back to traveling whether or not the pandemic is fully over or not. But up first, this podcast is being recorded at market close on Thursday, April 21st, and the market is absolutely going nuts over the fact that Jerome Powell is once again raising interest rates. We're going to see an almost guaranteed 50 basis points rise in interest rates in May, and the market's flipping out about that despite the fact that inflation kind of felt really priced. In. And so to discuss all of that, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I'm joined by Justin Kramer, CEO and co-founder here at Moby.co and our chief analyst. Justin, man, not to kind of like jump down your throat here or anything, but can you kind of take me through this interest rate hike and what that means for the market moving forward? Yeah, I mean, they're just going to have to take it in stride again. Like the more real it becomes, the more real the markets take it. So every single move, every single like inclination from the Fed is just it, investors digesting it more and more. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Um, so I, again, for for people paying attention for most of the markets this is just getting priced in in real time it's just more of of the same of what we've been telling you in terms of stock selection becomes important you got to pick the right stocks markets are just getting decimated we have to invest wisely not only for today but tomorrow so long story short this is this is just more of the same i hope uh <laughs> hope you guys all have been listening since last year and speaking of which, like in speaking of which, you know, making your picks, picking wisely, I think, you know, you deserve a little bit of credit this week, kind of making our focus travel, Justin, as we did a bunch of analysis this week. You put out a really good report on Delta um, on Tuesday, and I managed to get a pretty decent report out on Airbnb today. Um, and at least Delta and United Airlines are popping off off of pretty good news, which seems counterintuitive because both inflation and oil prices rising that kind of made the market think, hey, uh, these plane stocks ain't going to do so hot. So can you kind of take me through like the, the counterintuitive rise here of uh, like stock picks like Delta and UAL? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, we talked about this back in December. Um, I think a lot of what we always talk about is like, hey, we talked about this back then. Hope you were paying attention. Um, but back in December, even earlier, probably in like November, October, we were talking about like how there was such a rise in spending on retail-based goods, think clothing and uh, and like shoes and any food even like to a certain extent um, because for so long people were cooped up, they didn't have money to spend. And now uh, like with pandemic kind of coming slowly to an end uh, and people re-emerging, there was such a large shift uh, and growth in overall retail-based spending pair that with all of the stimulus checks, all of the extra capital people had. And typically the more money people make, the more they spend. But in this instance, people were spending a lot more than they made over the last 20, 30 years. Um, so saw that trend, it's been happening for a year or two. And so we called for that trend to slowly be ending. Um, and we thought that it would start rolling into services-based spending. So going to your doctor, going spending on experiences, spending on travel, not necessarily physical goods uh, that you want to stockpile. So one of those things, to your point, was airlines. So airlines has been something we've been looking at for a while. Obviously, a massive part of airlines um, is their intrinsic costs with staffing the plane, 
uh, while also paying for jet fuel and all these things. And so they had a lot of headwinds over the last few years going against them. Um, and especially over the last few months, given jet fuel has just gotten absolutely out of control. But now people are returning like in massive waves to travel because it's been years since people have truly been able to do it, both from a personal perspective as well as corporate perspective. And so what we saw was during the last earnings call in the last few weeks, we saw Delta, United, American, a lot of these companies reporting the highest demand month or highest sales month they've had in years. Um, and so that's the reason we've seen the stocks kind of pop off in the last few days. Um, it was because we've, this is the first time that like there's really, really a return to travel. And specifically with Delta, what we liked is while United and some of these other airlines were able to increase prices and try and pass off some of the increased costs to their consumers, Delta, like mostly their, their customers absorbed pretty much most of the costs. They were able to hike up their prices pretty significantly. And people were paying up for it, um, which was pretty impressive. It speaks to the brand value. Um, it speaks to their overall value add in the ecosystem. So with Delta specifically, they're every trackable metric for them from demand to margins to income, everything is trending in a positive direction. And for the first time in like three years, we we really think that travel is going to exceed pre-pandemic levels towards the second half of this year. So that's what's happened with the airlines. That's why there's so much exuberance in the market. Um, but when you think about airline travel over the next, let's call it year to two years, there's definitely going to be a handful of stocks that end up doing significantly better than the others. One of which is, uh, is we think is Delta. So definitely keep your eyes out on for it. Definitely, yeah. And Delta's more of like a long-term play to uh, some some of the people in our chat are kind of joshing me because United Airlines did a little bit better than Delta uh, this week, just off of similar earnings news. So it's one of those things where Delta is kind of like the longer tailwind here as they can continue that. There's a lot of like other uh, tailwinds that are provide short-term headwinds that are being provided by um, United right now. So keep that in mind. I think Delta's a better long-term play. But getting right into that as well, as you think about that, that just means this period right now is a good time to sort of like stock up a little bit um, in your portfolio on these travel stocks, which will see a lot of these short-term tailwinds too. For me, a really big one is Airbnb, um, which today kind of went down 4% basically because it's a tech company and uh, people were just selling off tech stocks because interest rates are rising. But that's going to be kind of a short, a short-lived like lateral movement as we gear up for Airbnb's next earnings call, which is coming beginning in May. Uh, Airbnb is really amazing because A, it's a platform company, so they don't actually have any housing. They just, um, you know, are a platform for people to start their own businesses. And B, you know, their brand is so strong that they don't have to do a lot of legwork promoting their brand. Like most of their traffic comes directly either from their app or like directly to their website. So the biggest cost that most businesses incur trying to scale their business, Airbnb just doesn't have, which is a pretty cool twist on the Tesla model. So Airbnb's down a little bit, but they also had their first hugely profitable quarter um, since being a public company in Q4 2020. And so that kind of makes sense. You know, 2020 is all about travel. And so the thing I'm very interested in seeing is how they can kind of maintain that Q1 growth since Q1 2021 was a hot mess for, for Airbnb as a brand. Like that kind of set them up for like the only time they went below their first day IPO price in Q2 of 2021. So I'm very excited to see how they pull that off um, because people are just 
it's one of those things where a lot of folks are, even though like technically the pandemic is not over by any means, like there's still new variants popping up, there's still virus stuff happening. Like people are clearly like, I'm just going to take the chances now. Like uh, we we locked down long enough, which is uh, not medical advice, but um, just just keep that in mind. We're always talking about market sentiment. We're don't, we're not talking about what is good or what is bad. We're simply talking about what is. And so keep that in mind. I guess you're seeing a lot of just like pressure for people just to go outside again. And so uh, sell inside, buy outside, which again, the other side of this coin is Netflix just absolutely cratering, Justin, um, and just seeing the whole streaming service industry kind of like take a huge breath as everyone kind of realized, wait a minute, we all over-invested in streaming. CNN Plus is going to shut down after only a month because they just couldn't get any audience growth. Um, despite the fact that HBO Max uh, it has about 12 million new subscribers, like there's still like a lot of like questions there at Warner Media, so that stock is also down. Uh, Justin, like, what's the deal with Netflix, though? Like, what, what, is this one of those things where it's like a, a buy-the-dip situation, or is this going to be kind of sustained as the market kind of begins pulling back from streaming, realizing we put way too much capital into this industry. Yeah. So Netflix is in an interesting position because they're kind of like the victim of their own success in a sense. Um, what Netflix is sitting in an interesting position, ultimately the, the rest of the streaming platforms as well as they have a few problems with them. The first is they're so big that in order to like keep up that growth is outpacing churn, it has to be significant growth because when you have millions of users on a platform, you know, 1% growth is significant or 1% churn is significant. The 1% growth is also significant. So it kind of looks like they're starting to saturate the market in terms of like how big they can get. But when investors always are forward looking, they're thinking, what's the biggest opportunity? And if Netflix is out and they're saying like, this is basically as big as we can get because we're starting to lose users faster than we can put them on, then that becomes pretty scary for most investors. And that's why the stock sold off. And so the reason they, they're kind of stuck there is they don't really have like a ton of products they can sell people. I mean, they have like your, their core subscription model, um, but past that it's, they don't really have an, a way to upsell people. They don't have a way to ultimately like get more traction. Like they talked about gaming, they talked about these things, but today it's just content. And frankly, when I said before, they're a victim of their own success, they, they have a really good product for not that much money. So you think about cable, cable five, 10 X the price, and probably four times as shitty. Um, but Netflix is charging $10, $20 a month max, and their product is amazing, but the margins are much lower because they're just not making that much. So at this point, it's become commonplace in terms of like charging what they're charging for their offering, but they ended up just shooting themselves in the foot because they're not able to like truly monetize at scale because every user, whether they have a dollar in their pocket or 10 million in, in their pocket, are being monetized in the same way. So. Hulu was smart to have like tiered levels. You can upsell people, you can get rid of ads, but Netflix just hasn't gone around that. So like the irony of like also the shared password dilemma is that even though they're fully aware, like aware of it, they saw it as a way to recruit people away from cable. And so they did the heavy lifting of getting people to cut the cord, but then Disney, Apple, Hulu, all these other platforms indirectly saw all this benefit and were able to like, build on top of what Netflix set down as a path. So I think long story short, a lot of the streaming platforms are going to have to rethink a bit of their business model as they realize that like this is not as necessarily sustainable as they thought. Um, but I think this the sell-off is, is pretty warranted. They haven't found a way to innovate. They haven't had a way to change things. We will hopefully get some more forward-looking projections and how they'll combat this going forward over the next few months. But until then, I mean, we're, we're definitely being cautious. 
Exactly. And I guess that's the main thing you have to keep in mind, audience, as you look into stuff like this. It's You have to see... Uh, Ultimately, the market is so deeply saturated because of the really, really attractive idea of recurring revenue. Like, if you can get somebody to buy a product, that's cool. But if you can get somebody to commit to buying a product month over month over month for 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever, that is way more attractive in terms of understanding how your revenue is going to be in terms of, like, consistency. And so you saw the entire world jump on this, too. And so it, uh, it just got overcapitalized. Way too much money got invested way too quickly into this space. And so you've got all of these diverse... Um, uh, streaming services and what you're going to see is a, a reconsolidation it's going to be really funny like in three years when like cable just kind of re-emerges but it's streaming and it's just all these streaming services as they consolidate down into a single model that is a similar price to like a comcast and slash or whatever verizon spectrum whatever you got kind of subscription uh, depending on your locality so uh, this is a beautiful experiment but then it's one of those things that just simply got overcapitalized and overbought so it's really interesting to see how disney responds to this and it's really interesting to see i guess the amazon models the smartest one of all like make some cool tv shows and some cool movies but make sure like it's a part of a big old product suite like it's it's cool that amazon content can serve as kind of like a loss leader that attracts more people to prime and gets them to buy more stuff so it's one of those things where like what's what's next in terms of consolidation like is walmart going to buy netflix no they're not that's the silliest thing i've ever said it's just the first example that popped in my head right um so what i'm excited for seeing is like this next wave of consolidation and seeing how uh these various brands survive the exodus um, RIP CNN Plus. I'm really sad that I can't see Stanley Tucci tell me about Italy anymore, but I'll get over it. Um, I guess that kind of gets into like the other various market forces that are, are, are playing around here, Justin. Again, like outside is super in right now. And what we're seeing is like a lot of people kind of put a little bit more money into uh, life sciences stuff as well as we begin to think about crops, we begin to think about um, the impending fertilizer shortage most of the world's fertilizer not most but a significant portion of the world's anhydrous ammonia which is just like the thing that we uh, make fertilizer out of comes out of belarus and russia and those exports have obviously stopped so we're looking into various ways that you know food prices are going to inflate crop prices are going to inflate um, and see like this next wave of inflationary pressure as food prices potentially have the chance to rise whoosh, um, across the back half of this year right um, so as, as we look at this like is there anything we can kind of keep in mind is it something we watch commodities first and go after brand second or is it just should we you know should we just go after the report that i wrote this week on bayer where we just invest heavily into sort of life sciences corporations like how do you think about that as we move forward yeah i mean it's a good point you you are obviously the expert here on bear um but healthcare is another area that like we've been watching pretty closely um for a lot of the reasons we discussed before and bear has been able to really more or less like innovate over the last few years in a way that no one else has. So like when you look at pharma, you look at crop science, uh, we did a whole report on this, but they're, they're really like a company that's like a more legacy based company that's modernizing. And I think really going to change investor perception over the next uh, few months, if not few years. So they've been on a bit of a downswing, but given a lot of their medical advances, which you can speak to, um, we're really excited about them going forward. Yeah, for Bayer, it's more or less um, just like the market kind of catching up to them. Like they made this disastrous acquisition of Monsanto back in 2018 when it seemed like 
a really good idea. The acquisition only closed in 2018, but they made the acquisition like two years before, um, after this kind of huge wave of consolidation in the agribusiness sector. Uh, just so you know, audience, like I have a lot of perspective here. Like I'm as a uh, life sciences analyst first, and then stock analyst second. This is kind of my beat. Um, and so as I, as we look into this, it's really cool seeing how Bear has managed to weather the storm that has been Monsanto. Like Monsanto kind of played it really fast and loose, and did a lot of shifty stuff, which has led to a lot of lawsuits that are finally getting settled, finally kind of moving out of the way. And as as they develop more crop sciences products, one main thing is the not necessarily needing as much fertilizer for a lot of the stuff that Bayer sells, which means that we're going to see a pretty gnarly uh, Q2 earnings report from them as they as that kind of pops off and as they have really cool products in the pipeline. But the main thing driving Bayer right now is going to be pharma, as uh, a lot of people during the pandemic, a lot of research kind of got put on hold because a lot of pharmaceutical companies, a lot of pharmaceutical researchers just went straight into COVID mitigation, COVID vaccines, COVID everything. And so what we're seeing is we're finally seeing a bunch of trials get back on back on board for things that are not necessarily super COVID related. So Bayer's got a really cool um, anti-stroke medication that's going to get approved later this year, fingers crossed, hopefully, that is going to replace a very, very um, heavily prescribed, uh, essentially it's a blood thinner, but it's something that just kind of blocks a um, coagulation pathway um, in your blood for people who have something called atrial fibrillation. I'm not going to get into the medical stuff. I know you don't want to hear that. Um, and if anyone here is thinking it's super weird that a company does both crops and medicine, just keep in mind, essentially those two companies are just all about mashing carbon atoms together in various interesting shapes. There, there's a lot of similarities between the two. It's all organic chemistry at the end of the day. And so that's why you see a lot of these companies consolidating around both crop sciences and agriculture. And so the thing that's going to be driving bare over the next year and a half is going to be their pharmaceutical a lot of their drugs finally getting approved. And then the sort of lagging indicator is going to be their revenues from uh, soybean sales. As soy planting here in America is up 4% while corn is down. We are, we are The soy vacation to America is here. And that's not, not because of like any like insidious whatever, but it's because soybeans take way less fertilizer than corn does. Corn is cheap. Corn is amazing. But at the end of the day, you need a bunch of nitrogen to make it happen. And so you see a lot of farmers here in the U.S. being like, I don't know. And they're going to mitigate their way out of that by planting more soy. So expect uh, expect uh, soy milk to be everywhere, folks. Um, but as you look at that, it's just one of those things where you have to sort of like watch these uh, industries company by company and make various like informed picks. And that's what you're going to be seeing us doing moving forward. And so as we keep looking forward to that, uh, Justin, just so you know, we do have a bunch of questions. You guessed it about Elon Musk and Twitter. <laughs> We can't escape this. Um, uh, I just want to make sure that I'm always answering audience questions. Audience, just so you know, if you're listening to the recorded version of this, you can always join us here um, on our Discord. That's uh, just uh, uh, you have. There's a link in the description right here. Uh, if you're in a recorded version of this, you can always join and ask us questions. DM me directly. I'm here, Moby Star, on Discord, or just email me, Peter at Moby.co. Right. But Justin, again, 90% of my questions right now are coming from the tender offer that Elon Musk is very quietly. Um, hinting at for Twitter. So, what's the deal, man? Is uh, is this is this Twitter deal going to close? Like, what's your hot take here, dude? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to say. I mean, like, <laughs> it's really all over the place with with Elon every single week, day. Uh, whether it's Twitter or something else, it's uh, it's always something. This guy definitely keeps it interesting, to say the very least. With him, I mean, he came out today. If anyone missed the news, and basically said that. He's lined up commitments worth over 40 half, $45 billion to finance the Twitter takeover deal. After last week, he was saying that he made a public offer to buy them, showed the SEC filings and things of that nature. The Twitter folks responded by 
uh, putting forth something called a poison pill, which effectively stops or tries to stop him from taking over the company in a hostile manner. Um, but now he has the funding to back it up. So, I mean, there's a there's a real chance this happens. Um, the market initially did not take it well. Um, the market even right now still is kind of potentially taking it in stride. It's only up like 1% today. Um, so, I mean, long story short, uh, at the valuation he's talking about, which is roughly 41 to 42 billion, um, and today's valuation of 36 billion, based on what the market is indicating, my guess is it's not gonna happen, right? It's not priced in right now. Not saying it can happen, but right now with the information we have, it looks like the market is saying there, this this won't happen. So we'll see, but uh, <laughs> this guy is uh, is interesting. He, every day is something new. So we, we love him, we love following everything he's doing. He's innovating, it's great. Um, but predicting Elon's behavior on a day-to-day -day basis is probably one of the hardest things to do. Exactly. And so audience, what you're going to be seeing over this week is just a whole bunch of um, different pressures moving stock prices around like so much macro pressure right now that it's kind of hard to parse the micro pressures, right? So yes, um, Technic, uh, Twitter is down, but that could just be that all tech companies are down right now because people are, you know, flipping out once again about another 50 basis point rise. For instance, Snap has just reported earnings like as this podcast is being recorded. And even though revenue is down, the stock managed to pop like 9% in the process, even though it's kind of like vol like calming down to more of like a 4% rise as people are like, well, at least this company's actually making money. Let's go with them, right? So it's really interesting to watch. And again, you have to watch this on a day-by-day -day and market-by-market -market basis, but then invest, you know, kind of on a monthly time scale because you're going to see we had a really good day on Monday we had a really bad day on Thursday and it's just because as you add this much energy to an economy and as you know our government tries to get a handle on inflation like really get this under control you're going to see a bunch of these little temper tantrums and so volatility is the name of the game and so the main way you play this is you know trying to see if you can make any short-term moves but in the same breath just kind of like Keeping consistent, stick to your plan, make your portfolio as diversified as possible, and make your, con your, your picks as considered as possible so that as you roll through this, you're you know, doing it dispassionately because you're going to see these wild 10% swings on a weekly basis, but overall on a monthly timescale, a gradual, normal, like 8 to 15% rise as companies learn how to weather this because the supply chain issues are only going to get kind of weirder again. Um, a lot, the inflation is going to make churn happen, but ultimately inflation is a good thing because it forces, you know, entrenched companies to become more competitive and it entices disruption a little bit while also stifling the beginning of certain disruptive companies. And so you got to get smart during inflation. So I love seeing these really clever business moves that are going to come out of this. We're going to see some really wild Q2 and Q3 earnings calls as, as we watch these companies really think deep and creatively about how to combat uh, rising inflation, rising prices, and just sort of rising everything as interest rates go up too. Um, so Justin, I guess the main thing is anything else that we didn't cover here? Any final thoughts from you? Again, like kind of a grab bag as always. These podcasts are just as volatile as our um, market is because we just kind of have to bounce around from sector to sector just to get, make sense of things that, that are going on as they happen. Sorry, what was it, that last part? I think you just... <laughs> Discord always keeping it fun. It just... Uh, oh, it cut me out? Sick. I love it when that happens. Um, no, just the question was, anything you think we missed in terms of what's happening in the markets? Like, anything else you want to cover? I mean, our audience is asking us to hit on Tesla real fast, but I guess, like, you know, Tesla's just going to court of the plan. If you're, if you're simple, you win. Uh, and that's it. Tesla's going to keep going up. But if you haven't bought Tesla yet, it's still okay to buy, I think. But, Justin, anything that we missed in terms of just, like, watching these markets, watching this volatility, anything else you want our investors to keep an eye on as we roll through this wild Q2? 
Yeah, I mean, we we talk about it all the time. I mean, it's like for repeat listeners, this is going to sound like a like a repetitive thing we're talking about. For new listeners, I can't stress this enough. Um, but you need to be paying attention to interest rate policy and the economy. Um, one, two, five, ten years ago, it didn't matter. Uh, evaluations do, honestly didn't even matter that much because interest rates were held so artificially low. But today, like geopolitics in Eastern Europe, uh, in inflation globally, interest rates in the U.S. are having massive effects in the market in a way we, we have not seen in a long time. For those who've been investing for decades, you have the historical context. But for some of these newer investors, you only know one thing because that's all you've you've been able to be exposed to. So, you know, history does repeat itself. This has happened before. So we need to look back and to see how markets have reacted. So when rates are rising, typically valuations get compressed. Tech, multi- tech companies in general have extremely high valuations. That's why they're getting hit so hard. So what we need to be doing is watching where inflation goes. If inflation starts slowing down, then the Fed doesn't have to hike rates as much. They don't hike rates as much, then certain tech stocks and certain other industries can do better. If those industries do better, we have more companies going public. We have a healthier economic cycle. Things can start progressing and we can experience some of this high growth, high valuation atmosphere again. But in the current environment, it's just it's it's just not gonna happen. And so a lot of people are struggling to come to grips with that, but you just need to really be paying attention to what's going on and this even translates over to the crypto markets. It's a very similar sentiment. Um, even though it's supposed to be anti-inflationary, crypto markets are also risk on assets that are correlated to the S&P 500, even though no one wants to admit it. Um, and so they're going to be going through a similar thing. There's definitely going to be ups and downs and periods uh, of good and periods of bad. But this volatility, like we've been saying for literally almost half a year now, is not going away anytime soon. So just continue to pay attention to what we're saying, continue to pay attention to the Fed, and slowly but surely as things update, we will update you. Exactly. And the most important thing, most important aspect there too, audience, is to remember that this right now, you're listening to a podcast, but this is a partnership. The most important thing about being a considered investor is asking questions too. And so, yes, we are going to, we're doing our own research where we dive through a lot of data on a daily basis. But at the same time, our audience is also thinking about their portfolios and thinking how to properly diversify them and how to add different positions to them to help sort of hedge and also grow through this very volatile period. So if there are, you know, tickers that you are interested in and concerned about, we listen to that feedback and we do research based on that. So by all means, get uh, feel free to hit us up as always for any of the, the companies you think might be undervalued, overvalued, anything that you're worried about. Um, like we're getting a lot of really good uh, traction in Discord in terms of our audience sort of voicing their opinions. You can get a huge boon there if you join our Discord, but also just feel free to contact us. You can feel free to email me, peter at moby.co, or join our Discord and DM me directly. I'm just Peter. I'm here. I'm Moby Star here on Discord. We can always just ask anywhere in uh, there's a questions and suggestions section here in our discord our most important thing is to make sure that we are helping you build the portfolio you want to build during what is ultimately a very high intelligence time like this is the grown-up period of investing it's time to really be considered about your investments uh you know etfs are still cool but like you got to be smart about which etfs you're playing as well since there's a lot of risk and a lot of hedging around and so i just want you to keep that in mind ask us questions and we will absolutely do research around those questions to make sure we're helping you our brilliant and probably beautiful audience 
audience, build the portfolio that you want to build month after month after month after month. Because the most important thing is to not get scared off by this volatility. Keep your consistent investing plan. Keep making your individual picks as you roll through. And you will win the volatility game in the long run. That's the whole point. The law of averages and the law of large numbers means that if you just stay in the market for 15, 20 years maybe even less than that if you're smart, uh, you're going to win in the long run. Uh, it's just that we really think about the market on an extremely short-term cycle because that's just how we play here in the social media slash CNBC world. So that does kind of bring us to the end, though. That's how the market's looking right now. Justin Kramer, CEO and co-founder here at Moby.co. As always, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for all your insight, dude. But any final thoughts from you before I go ahead and read the credits here? Anything else? No, I think it's good. We, uh, we jam-packed a good amount of information here. I'm happy... We went over, but uh, for everyone listening now or on the, the podcast version, if you have any questions, as always, reach out. You have us here in Discord. You have our premium channel on our website. We're, we're rolling out more features. We just built both our apps. So there's a lot of ways to get in contact with us, engage in the information, and then you know just continue to learn more and become a better investor. Hell yeah, dude. And as always, audience, I really appreciate your time, but that does bring us right to the end here. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the credits. So audience, just so you know, thank you so much for joining us here. You can always find us here at about 5 p.m. every Thursday, Eastern Standard Time for a live podcast and Friday mornings as a recorded version of it. Um, if you like this, feel free to subscribe to us on any of the podcasting apps you use, Apple, Spotify, whatever. But feel free to join us over at moby.co slash get started or join us over at YouTube or youtube.com slash c slash mobyinvest if you want to see some more, more in-depth picks. We're obviously on Twitter and Instagram everywhere else. But for now, audience, just so you know, this podcast was produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All the insights you heard today came principally from our chief analyst and CEO, that's Justin Kramer. But more, more importantly, a lot of the really cool questions you heard came from our audience, so feel free to join our Discord or join us over at Moby.co to be able to ask those questions yourself. For now, though, audience, as always, I really appreciate your time, and as always, I'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.